Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Well, 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 what is that gracing our ears today, Matt? Huh? This is our episode on the petrodollar. The petro what? The petrodollar. I really enjoyed this one because it's something that gets wrapped up in the world of uh, conspiracy or conspiratorial allegations. But in many cases, those allegations are also true. Yeah, we're dealing with an actual cartel here, people. A real cartel. It's maybe the first time I remember learning what that word actually meant, what it was, and uh, saw the inner workings of, of how, you know, different, uh, different groups in an industry can work together to do things like control prices. Or how different state actors can make their currency the main currency of business by requiring uh, certain things. Essentially, without spoiling too much, essentially, uh, the name petrodollar comes about because of some agreements that oil should be mainly traded in U.S. cash. So no, you know, no pesos, no real or whatever, just the greenbacks. And then what does that do? Like, what kind of ripple effects does that have on global politics, economies, and uh, where wars are fought and why? Hmm. Yeah, surely just great stuff. It has yeah. a great effect. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> let's dive in. Let's figure out, let's figure out this petrodollar thing. 
From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. I just got this memo today or yesterday from the office of the Secretary of Defense upstairs. It's a five-year plan. We're going to take down seven countries in five years. We're going to start with Iraq, then Syria, Lebanon, then Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and then we're going to come back and get Iran in five years. And that is a quotation from a gentleman named Wesley Clark, a former NATO higher-up. He's a Supreme Allied Commander, and he is telling a story about how in 2001, a general at the Pentagon said this to him and that comes as reported via the guardian with uh, the journalist david swanson you may have seen that clip before i know i had seen it on in several places uh, over Mm -hmm. the years of him he's on stage and he's discussing about how he got this memo and it seems to reflect what has happened over the past several years oh right and before we get too far ahead of ourselves uh your matt i'm yes that's our uh Super producer, uh, Noel Oil Money Brown. Ooh, man. Oh, he's got oil money? Well, some, I'm sure at some point, just the way the mixtape game goes, somebody's all, gonna call themselves oil money. It's I'm, all oil money, but. Didn't, uh, didn't, was it Cash Money Records? Uh, someone tried to start their own oil exploration? No. Thing? No way. Yeah, I think it might have been Baby Williams, but don't quote me on that. Anyhow, yeah, Matt, you're here, I'm here, Noel's here. Listeners, most importantly, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Today, we are talking a little something called the petrodollar. Now, this is a term that refers to U.S. dollars, um, and it's something that they they earned, that the U.S. currency has earned uh Basically through the export of oil, through our relationship with oil, our country's relationship. Right. And uh, essentially, when countries sell oil, they are doing so at least, not always, but it is kind of a handshake deal kind of thing that when countries are trading in oil, they're trading in U.S. dollars. So that might sound like a weird, abstract economic thing. Price of tea in China doesn't matter to me, Ben and Matt and Noel, you might be saying. So think of the petrodollar as similar to the gold standard. We did a video on the gold standard. We did. We did a whole series on why gold is not the standard anymore. Right. Yeah. And why, and why does it matter? So we'll talk a little bit about that today. Uh, this, this week we've been working on a series on the petrodollar mm-hmm. and our longtime listeners will be glad to know this is a classic episode that we have coming out. So yes. Well, it's not a classic. It's a, it's like <laughs> a hybrid. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a, it's got an intro from when we were in DC. Uh, because mm-hmm. we were we were outside a Ronald Ra- the Ronald Reagan Building for International Trade, right? Yeah, uh, and we just started thinking, ooh, we could talk about the petrodollar. And a lot of times, when we have a good idea or we receive a great suggestion, we we know it's a real it's a real good one because we're kicking ourselves for not having covered it earlier. So uh, this is something that took us a while to get to, but it's something a lot of people should know about, and I'm sure that some people. Might find this boring. There are some dry parts to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure some other people wish we had covered it uh, more in depth. And I'm sure that many of 
many of our listeners out there, myself included, are uh, are just waiting for cryptids. But <laughs> yeah, I notice on Twitter people are excited about that. Yeah, exactly. And thanks to everybody who wrote in with those tweets. I think it was Gavin who made the initial suggestion, and we are on it. But for now, petrodollars. Yeah. Petrodollars. So, so the reason you mentioned the gold currency is because this, in the same way, is petroleum in this form functions as a way to prop up a currency, right? Right. Yeah. It's tying the concept of a currency to a tangible asset. Mm-hmm. So when other countries are using dollars to export oil, right? And you, you have to give, you know, country a, uh, a payment in dollars per barrel. They, you have rubles. They say no rubles. You have yen or renminbi and they say none of that, none of that. Swiss kroner. I don't know. What are some other currencies? I don't know too many. I know the, the, the rand, the euro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I learned about Brixton dollars. Have you heard of this? What are Brixton dollars, man? This is a local currency in a certain section of London. I think it's Brixton. I hope, I hope that's the correct name. Okay. Uh, but it's just a local currency that people have started using where you can trade in your sterling and your, your pounds and everything. And then you get these uh-huh. local dollars. Uh huh. And you can use them at, there are several hundred places that are, accept them. So they kind of, they keep the money in the area. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. That makes sense. And I guess you, if you limit the area where those things can be used, currencies are powerful things. And, yeah. and currencies are, you know, articles of faith just as much as any religious symbol might be because for a long time now, they have not been based on a tangible asset in whole. I Can we take a tangent real quick? Tangent away. Okay. So, you know, for a long time, Matt, I have been talking about Ben Bucks. Yeah. I think I may have mentioned this on the show. Every time we look into currency, I get a little closer to actually just printing some and using them around the office. What are they backed by? <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm, that's where I'm stuck. Cause they don't need to be backed by anything. It could just be my good name. Can I, can I give you yeah. uh, give an idea pointers. here? Okay. Yeah. So there is, there are these things called mountain bucks or mountain, mountain time bucks or something like that. So okay. it's, it's uh, another local currency used by a couple of small communities and mm-hmm. it's in half hour increments. Okay. So. You could trade someone half hour, a half hour of your manual labor or whatever you need. Like, do you need a human being to assist you with something? Right. Here is half hour in currency. I see. Okay. That makes sense because if you think about it, and you and I had had this conversation before with uh, our debate over whether Batman has a superpower. Do you remember that? Yes. And we decided that he doesn't really have a superpower. But he has the closest thing that you can get to a human having a superpower in the real world. I Well, I think that Batman does have a superpower, and I hate it when people say that he doesn't. He has a superpower. <laughs> he has a superpower because he is a billionaire, right? But it goes deeper than that, and this Mountain Time conversation reminds me because okay. money is – the concept of currency is really just uh, the, a concept of human labor over time, right? So you can build – a studio like the one we're in now, uh, and fabricate everything, teach yourself how to do that, take those hours and hours and hours of craftsmanship and skill and practice, or you can give somebody something that they will take in exchange for their time. So 
currency as a marker of time makes a lot of sense to me, which means that if you have a billion dollars, essentially, you're time traveling. That's what you, that's what it was. You're not losing decades teaching yourself how to build a frigging bat cave. You know what I mean? Yeah, or just a microphone. And I'm not saying that Batman is not the world's greatest detective. Clearly, that is <laughs> that is the case, and I'm a huge Batman fan. He has skills. Yeah, he has skills. But you know, he what what would he be if he wasn't a billionaire? You know? Yeah, he'd be just a lone ninja, ninja it, with problems. It'd be <laughs> it'd be tough. Uh, it would be tough, I think, to to have the same stuff. But anyway, we're digressing a little bit. This currency stuff, as you can tell. Listeners, we're very interested in this, and because everybody has to use, like, the petrodollar is bigger than mountain time. The petrodollar is bigger than Ben Bucks. The petrodollar is bigger than the euro so far. In fact, because everybody has to use dollars or had to use dollars to buy oil, all these other countries had to keep a stash of cash, which is very good for the U.S., and it's one of the reasons that the U.S. is referred to as the world's reserve currency. So we have a couple of questions. The biggest one is how how on earth did this happen? Mm-hmm. How do we get to the point where the U.S. dollar is the world's currency when you're dealing with oil? Which, we, which we'll totally tell you. By the way, we're not just going to leave that one hanging. Uh, we have other questions too, right? Like how long – can this situation last? Yeah, is there something uh, in the works right now that might be, I don't know, causing a huge change with the state of the petrodollar? Will the U.S. go to war to protect itself and its petrodollar? And has it done so already? First, let's take a uh, let's take a trip back in history. Uh, Noel, could we have the Trip back in history, sound cue. Great. Well, so good to see you. Welcome back to the 1940s in the Bretton Woods Agreement, which officially gives the U.S. a distinct financial advantage on the international sphere, tying the dollar to a value of $35 per single ounce of gold, with other currencies in the agreeing signatory countries pegged to the value of the dollar. Now, that worked for a time. But the U.S. essentially just promised not to print a crapload of money. Yes, and during the Vietnam conflict, other countries began asking for the gold the dollars represented, and the value of the currency therefore decreased because, you see, the U.S. didn't have the gold. Then President Nixon eventually took the dollar off the gold standard entirely and refused to convert U.S. currency to gold. Yes, well, in a way, defaulting. Quite true, my good man. Let's head to the 1970s. 70s, 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 70s. So in the early 70s, under Nixon, Henry Kissinger reportedly approached the House of Saud, Saudi Arabia, with an intriguing proposition. He said, we'll safeguard and support your rule over all of this, along with giving you military supplies, bullets, tanks, anything you need. In return, when you sell that sweet, sweet crude oil, you sell it. In U.S. dollars. And this deal, for a time, worked quite well. Other OPEC countries made similar deals. You could tell we're getting closer to the modern day because our voices are are changing back. Uh, So here's a side note. What is OPEC? You've heard about it before, right? OPEC stands for the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting 
countries. And by 1975, all of these countries had some form of agreement with the U.S. The U.S. will do something for you, uh, whether by hook or by crook. They convinced the other countries to sell oil in U.S. dollars. Now, I, one of my old professors uh, said uh, said a, a very blunt thing about OPEC. He said OPEC exists to stop the flow of oil and make as much money as possible from it. So it's kind of an oil dam where it's it's able to control the release of yeah, the oil? Yeah, like a faucet yeah. in a pipe. And, and the reason, well, without going into too much of the history here, which is fascinating, you know, the reason OPEC forms is because of the domination of Western oil companies, like Anglo-American oil companies, mm-hmm. In, uh, in the area. So, so it's not as if OPEC came out of the blue. Anyway, once you get OPEC on your side, right? If you're the U.S., then this transaction method becomes the international standard. We talked a little bit about why it matters because mm-hmm. it immediately makes every oil importing country, uh, thirsty for a constant supply of U.S. dollars. And then, ah, here's the bait and mm-hmm. here's the bait and switch. Uh, so you want those U.S. dollars, even though they're essentially coupons on paper, right? Yeah. So for these, for these, uh, coupons, what people will do is, or what countries will do is supply actual tangible goods, right? Appliances, microwaves, minerals. Food sometimes. Yeah, food, food, importing food or something like that. Uh, all, all of these things, manufactured goods, et cetera, are exchanged for these coupons. And then this boosts, uh, the, this boosts the value of the dollar, right? Mm-hmm. And it allows people to, it, it allows people to print more, the Fed to print more. Uh, and this cycle here of printing money, trading for tangible assets, and then also like, Every time a barrel of oil is sold under this system, it's a little bit better for the U.S. Yep. And that's, that's a vast oversimplification. That, I mean, that, that is a vast oversimplification. Sure. Uh, and it is, although it is good for the U.S. at least, it's not particularly great for other countries, especially other countries that don't want to trade in what some have called, you know, a monetary hegemony. Yes. Now, Ben. Yes. I'm going to say it this time. Here's where it gets crazy. How far would the U.S. go to protect this petrodollar regime? Now, from what Ben and I have found, according to numerous sources, the actual cause of many of the the conflicts occurring right now in the Middle East and historically that have been happening there have hinged on the price of oil and the trading of oil with the U.S. dollar. And we say numerous sources, of course. What we are talking about are theories. Some might call them conspiracy theories, but I want to be very careful and very fair with this when we point out that this is not at all the uh, accepted party line for for a lot of reasons. So we're going to tell you some of the things that other that officials have said or analysts uh, and not just fringe people, also folks like Alan Greenspan, uh, former chairman of the mm-hmm. Federal Reserve. But before we do that, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The first of these conflicts we would like to delve into is Iraq. Now, according to a couple of researchers, F. William Engdahl and William Clark, and both of them have written books. Or is this a joint book? Or- sure, yeah. The uh, the book by William R. Clark is called Petrodollar Warfare. And the one of the – that's the book we're referencing here. Mm-hmm. And Ingdahl wrote a book called The Century of War, Anglo-American Oil Politics and the New World Order. These guys are on the same page about uh, – the same page about the 2003-led invasion of Iraq. Yeah, they, they don't believe that – at least according to the original party line that was, that was, you know, saying, well, we've had these attacks on September 11, 2001. We're going to go into Iraq because they have uh, connections to the terrorists that caused these attacks. They, they also don't believe, um, that it was just for the overall safety of the American public. 
because they feel that we weren't, at least on the mainland, threatened by Iraq's forces. Uh, they feel, and they, they don't even think that it was, you know, to go in and save the Iraqi people from this dictator, Saddam Hussein. They have another idea. Right. Uh, they both claim that the invasion was predominantly inspired by Iraq's defiance of the petrodollar regime or petrodollar system. So here's a quote from the Petrodollar Warfare book. On September 24, 2000, Saddam Hussein allegedly emerged from a meeting of his government and proclaimed that Iraq would soon transition its oil export transactions to the euro currency. So selling oil in euros, not in dollars. And I know this sounds um, fairly conspiratorial, right? And you haven't, you'll hear at times contradicting statements from U.S. officials regarding, uh, regarding the degree to which oil as a resource influenced uh, mm-hmm. instability or invasions in the Middle East. So with with this in mind, um, we we see that Saddam Hussein actually did uh, get ready to make the switch from U.S. dollars to euro, and by 2002, he had fully converted to a petro euro instead of a petro dollar. You can speak in contradictory statements. You can also read things by former analysts or uh, even officials saying that. Before the events of 2001, before 9-11, uh, the Bush administration had already been planning to evade, invade Iraq. Mm-hmm. And that in the aftermath of uh, September 11th, these, um, these administration officials continually pushed gov- other government agencies like the CIA, etc., to find a connection between uh, the Hussein government or the Hussein administration and terrorist acts in uh, September of that year. Or at least make it look as though it is threatening enough to the U.S. populace, right? That there's a reason to go in. Right. And on March 19th, 2003, they announced the commitment of an invasion of Iraq. You've heard a lot of controversy about this if you were around during that time or listening to the news uh, or if you served in the military during this time. That was the uh, fight against Al-Qaeda, fighting terrorism. Were there weapons of mass destruction? Mm-hmm. Was it promoting democracy? So for the... For the people like Clark and Engdahl and another guy, Jerry Robinson, we'll talk about in a little bit, this was, and, and the, um, the other people that we quote in our video, uh, this was all secondary at best to a, to a mission to secure the existence of the petrodollar. Well, yeah, and also to slap the hand, right? I mean, you, and that's kind of a, a horrible, thing to say, but to punish the regime that would sit, would stand up to the mm-hmm. petrodollar system. And it's got to look strange from the outside because at different times uh, in recent history, you, the U.S. was supporting uh, Saddam Hussein. Washington, for the record, denies any accusations that the Iraq war was motivated by something other than disarming Iraq and liberating its beleaguered people. And I know that this can be a sensitive subject for folks, especially if you are related to someone who served in the armed forces or if you yourself 
went uh, with the armed forces to the Middle East, whether in Afghanistan, whether in Iraq, whether in another country. Yeah, the Gulf War even. Or the Gulf War even, yes. Um, or even as uh, far back, you know, as far back as Vietnam. The thing mm-hmm. is, what what I think is important here is that we be able to ask the question about the mo- the motivation. And we're showing you these different arguments for this, uh, but in my opinion, now I know this can be a sensitive subject, right? War is a very political thing. And especially if you have served in the armed forces of your country, uh, or if you are related to someone or close to someone, it can seem like a, like a highly, again, I'm going back to somewhere, a highly politicized thing. Uh, but this is not about some sort of false dichotomy between the left and the right. This is, this is about uh, a question that should be asked, which is why people were there. So I want to preemptively say, if you would like to write in and let, let us know about your experiences and what you think the motivating factors were for the war in Iraq or for other global conflicts, then we would like to hear it because one thing's for sure, the entire story hasn't been told. In an acknowledged way. And sorry for the, sorry for the tangent, man. No worries, man. Uh, just, I just want to agree with pretty much everything you just said. It's, it's easy for Ben and I to sit in this room and talk about these things. Um, but you know, neither of us have ever served, right? Uh, that being said, you will also hear accusations, um, about the motivations for going to war and the conflicts in other places, uh, specifically in Libya. The fall of Gaddafi, we covered that in a couple of videos. We did, and Gaddafi is an interesting character. Def- I mean, definitely a dictator, for sure. sure. Uh, but before the NATO operations in 2011, the Libyan Investment Authority had like something to the tune of $60 billion worth of, of petrodollars, petrobucks. Petrobucks. And uh, since the 1973 crisis, uh, these these petrodollars have been recycled through New York investment banks. So uh, we know, according to a book guy, by a guy named David Harvey, and a brief history of neoliberalism. We mm. know from British intelligence reports that the U.S. was actively preparing to invade countries to restore the flow of oil and bring down oil prices. We also know that the Saudis agreed at the time, presumably under military pressure, if not open threat from the U.S., to recycle all of their petrodollars through New York investment banks. Now, Whoa. Gaddafi had tried this before and didn't apparently didn't like the experience. Okay. So... This, there became this, um, I don't know, like the weirdest thing about the, uh, the civil war in Libya and, and, um, the NATO involvement is that when the rebels won the city, when they, when they controlled Libya, one of the first things they did was open a central bank. Yeah, I remember that. It's a, it's a strange thing. And, you know, I've never toppled a country that I'm aware of, so I don't know. The order of operations or how it does, uh, how it works. But, uh, we also have a quote from the Guardian about this. Uh, the Libyan government controls more of its oil than any other nation on earth. Type of oil that Europe at least finds easiest to refine. But there's something else here that, that's weird, right? Yes. Libya also controls 
its finances, right? Or it did. It, well, yeah. Okay. It did. It didn't have a central bank in the way that a lot of other countries did. That is kind of a, uh, a system that functions inside the country, but on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that right there is one of the reasons I remember hearing about that a long time ago about Libya and a couple other countries that were some of the only, only left on the planet that did not have a central bank that was just a private institution. Right. And this, this naming of these countries that we quoted in the earlier thing, again, that's, uh, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Iran in five years. Mm-hmm. This, uh, these seven countries, uh, aren't listed as member banks for the Bank for International Settlements. And without getting into the IMF, the World Bank and the BIS, uh, we can say that they're a huge part of the financial global order, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. The idea here is that the, these analysts, Clark, Ingdahl, and others are saying that U.S. invasions in these areas were motivated by protecting the status of the petrodollar. And for a lot of people, that sounds like either absolute bunk, right? Or someone will say, well, how can you even ask this question? It's so disrespectful. I completely disagree with that that second statement because I don't think there's anything inherently disrespectful about asking questions. Uh, but with that being said, and side note, do check out our, uh, our video on the fall of Gaddafi. There's yes. some interesting stuff there. And the Lockerbie bombing, I think we have an... And the Lockerbie bombing as well, yeah. Uh, so... This leads me to one uh, question for you, Matt. Um, okay. Do you think any of this stuff could be true? Well, it could be, sure. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's possible, right? It's absolutely possible. But it, it's probably not as uh, cut and dry on one, like, one way or the other, right? It's probably very, very gray, and it's probably got hints of – of both sides, both or when I say both sides, I mean people who would argue that yes, absolutely, the, the petrodollar and the maintaining of its power is a mm-hmm. reason to invade these countries. But then also, there are probably other reasons, right? Sure. As we've learned in any kind of uh, strategy at that level, there are so many different aspects. Right. Yeah. Are you getting into a conflict because your allies, your regional partners asked you to do so? You know, that's another part of it, too. Is it just helpful that they asked for you to do it? Right. <laughs> right. So here's here's the thing, though. We have to do some myth busting and misconceptions. I think this is more well known now, but for a long time, people thought uh, mistakenly that the Middle East was the primary source for U.S. oil imports. Oh, yeah. I, I think that – I don't know if it was for movies why that got into my head, but that was that was a belief that I held true. It's not even – the top source of foreign oil entering the U.S. is not Saudi Arabia, although Saudi Arabia is number two, and it is not Iran, and it is not Iraq. It's not – even in the Middle East. Listeners, can you guess? I know some of you already know this. Maybe we should do the top five countries. Okay, so here are the top five countries in reverse order. So number five, with 4%, Russia. That's 4% of the amount supplied. Number four, Venezuela with 9%. Number three, Mexico with 9%. 
Saudi Arabia, as we said, number two with 13%. And number one. Could we have a drum roll, please? Canada, ladies and gentlemen. Canada is the source of the largest amount of foreign oil or petroleum imported into the U.S. So foreign. Yes, the distant, exotic land of Canada. Many legends have been said about the mysterious ways of this remote, unaccessible place. And the yetis that gather the oil together in vast vats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of the people who travel to the distant north only to be burned hideously by the horrific glowing lights of the aurora borealis. Oh, I shudder to think. So I hope you guys can tell that we are joking, but it is a weird misconception um, because, you know, Canada and the U.S. Uh, hardly look at one another as these um, unknown menaces, you know, like that. that is the majority of the foreign oil at this time. Uh, shale oil technology, which we also did a, uh, or excuse me, uh, just shale technology, which we also did a, uh, a piece on with fracking, uh, that has changed the nature of the game for the U.S. with oil. And here's another point. So when we look at the statistics, what we see is that people do, at least in the States, overestimate the amount of oil coming from the Middle East to the U.S., and, you know, this, this could change in the future. These, these percentages and prices could fluctuate. But there's another, there's a counterpoint here. Yes. So if the point of this whole petrodollar system that we've been discussing this entire time, if the point of that is to prop up the dollar and make it stronger, then it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter at all, actually, whether the oil is sent to the U.S., wherever it's, it's created and sold. It just matters that it is uh, it is sold, right? Because in you're dollars. selling it in dollars. Yeah. Okay. So it just matters if the dollar is the medium of exchange. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it is, then hey, we're good to go. You can sell it to whoever you need to. I know Canada needs even more. <laughs> they're probably producing a lot if they're selling us or supplying us with 37%. That's, and you know, that's an if, right? That's a big mm-hmm. if. But uh, this leads us to the next question. Supposing now the petrodollar itself is real, right? The situation yes, is yes. real. The big question is what role it plays in global conflict. Uh, so our next question for the petrodollar is how long can this system last? Well, I mean, it, it could last for a little longer, but Ben, these times, they're a changing. Right. Yeah, we often hear about the end of the petrodollar. If you follow these sorts of stories, then for years, for more than a decade, people have been saying it's the end of the world tomorrow. And, you know, I I just have to put this in here just as a caveat. A lot of times you will hear that the end of the petrodollar is coming from a group that may be selling Precious metals, or at least investment in precious metals. I just have to say it because I've seen it in a lot of places where, you know, your dollars are going to be useless very soon. Make sure you buy this silver or this gold. And, you know, strangely, like the, if you look at the prices and what retains, I'm not, I'm not sitting here and hawking precious metals at you. I'm just saying there is some truth to it, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, there is a uh, profit incentive there to get you to 
dump your dollars. Uh, I see. I see. Okay. Uh, so I think that's a really, I think that's a really good point. You do have to be kind of suspicious if someone wants you to panic about a financial system and then attempts you to sell you gold at the same time. I disagree, Ben. You always have to be suspicious. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so another thing that's happening in this future, this uncertain future of, uh, energy politics. That's essentially what this mm-hmm, is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that there are increasingly viable forms of alternative energy. They're nowhere near replacing fossil fuels yet. Nowhere near. Uh, but there is, uh, assiduous around the clock research going on. And, uh, it's, it's neck and neck in some ways. Uh, I think right now China is leading the charge with solar panels. It used to be the U.S., but now it's China. And uh, another thing, Russia is a force to be reckoned with in this situation if petrodollars matter, if petrodollars do cause nations to experience instability, invasions, and war, then China offers an alternative to countries that are not on friendly terms with the U.S., whether in terms of business negotiations or aid development loans. That would be like IMF loans and stuff. Uh, Russia also, surprise, there's yeah. <laughs> no need for a petrodollar. Well, yeah, and they've been taking steps, the, uh, the BRICS nations, right? Right. Uh, I mean, they're trying to set up their own currency essentially with mm. a central bank and then to be able to say well hey you can trade dollars with us or you can trade oil with us with our currency right the brick is an acronym brIC it stands for Brazil Russia India and China emerging mm-hmm. uh, emerging economic forces with a lot of heft that's correct additionally a few years back Iran also shifted away from the dollar to trading in a basket of currencies and that actually happened and that you know that's one of the things that people said about Gaddafi too they would say you know the real reason that he's getting invaded because he was trying to start his own currency system not going to sell oil in dollars anymore uh, but the, while that's the general gist of the theory we know that whether or not that belief about petrodollars and war is true. We know the petrodollar actually exists. So what happens in a world without a petrodollar? Uh, we, uh, we had a nice little list here of possible things that come from a writer named Jerry Robinson. And first things first, he says foreign nations will begin sending a flood of U.S. dollars back to the states in exchange for whatever the new currency is needed for oil. So whether it's mountain time mm-hmm. <laughs> dollars or bin bucks or uh, cowrie shells, it doesn't matter. It's just what it represents, which is the ability to obtain oil. Yeah. Can I give you this and you will give me oil? That's all you need. The Federal Reserve could uh, lose the ability to print more money, which has historically uh, been one of the solutions to America's economic woes. <laughs> the uh, Treasury and the Fed would meet to determine like the best case scenario. What do we do? Uh, this would, in Robinson's opinion, result in an immediate increase in interest rates to reduce the money supply. This would trigger hyperinflation. And we've uh, we've covered hyperinflation, what it is, what the effects could be, and uh, kind of the fear mongering that happens with hyperinflation, but also the reality of just what it can do. We looked at the mm. Weimar Republic thing in the oh yeah yeah oh, yeah it's really bad when your currency is valueless. 
because there's just too much of it, mm-hmm. it's no good. When you have to rush to spend, uh, to buy everything you can in the morning because by yeah. the afternoon, the money will be worthless. That's or at just, least much more worthless than it currently already is worthless. And that leads us, you know, that it leads us down a path that some might say is absurdity. Sure. And it's definitely surreal. So what else would happen? Uh, apparently there would be another second, even higher increase in interest rates because the amount of money in the system would have to be slashed. People yep. don't need petrodollars anymore. So demand has plummeted. Uh, both political parties would, uh, blame each other, right? Yeah, first. And then also blame the feds. Sure. Because, uh, you know, it's, hey, this isn't a government institution. Who are these guys? What are they doing? Oh, this is so weird. And, man, when you hate to be president under that Ooh, one, when, yeah. when that happens, uh, people with adjustable rate debts would have uh, would have a terrible time. Yeah. And, predictively, layoffs would occur. Companies would close. People would get fired. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The worst thing is that pretty much anything that you own just devalues so badly. Your home, your car, everything. That boat. That Oh, especially that boat. Way to go, guys. Really good investment. So could this happen? Would it happen? Should it happen? What do you, what do you think? Because this is one of those things where whether it's good or bad depends upon where you live, yep. your personal situation. You know, we, we know that one person's vision of paradise is not often someone else's, right? Ben, I just want to say here that I sometimes, when we're in this room together discussing mm-hmm. a topic or when I'm over there editing something mm-hmm. we're looking at, I forget how, how privileged, uh, the life of an American is because of a lot of these systems that are set up. And this one in particular, the whole petrodollar system, the way it, it makes us all a little, just that much more wealthy by having a, a strong currency in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I take, I realize I take that along with a whole host of other things for granted, just being an American citizen. Did you ever see, uh, there, there was a comic strip that I, I loved for some very gallows humorish reasons, but, uh, there's one panel strip I saw from, from somewhere and listeners, maybe you remember this too. Uh, it was a scene where there were three people who had jobs walking past a homeless person, right? Okay. Holding out a cup for change and above their heads, they had the amount of debt they have. Yeah, this is familiar. You've seen this. Yes. And you know, there's like a student loan or a series of student loans and then credit cards and like mortgage or whatever. And they're all in the negative. All these people walking by. And then the homeless guy's up like six dollars and forty two cents. And <laughs> it 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 really uh affects your perspective, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. So what what you're saying though about about privilege and about how isolated people can be, the weirdest things seem normal if you do them long enough, you know? Wow. Okay. Well, out of context, that quote's going to come back to haunt me. <laughs> Speaking of haunting, do you hear that? <laughs> no, seriously. Oh, whoa. Okay. All right. Now I'm hearing it. Oh, hey. Oh, oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's our super producer. Nole, nole, nole. Yeah, nole was, Ghost Brown. I was just being a spooky ghost. Yeah. Nolywood. <laughs> I was just trying to be a spooky ghost. So. You got oh, me. Oh, no worries, man. Yeah. You got me. I, uh, I cried a little. You I looked hope a little it doesn't spooked. Shoot. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. Super spooked. Yeah. So, uh, what do you, what do you think about this whole thing, man? Do you think that wars are wars for oil? I mean, I've always kind of had a sense that that was the case, um, but it's kind of just been one of those sort of gut feeling things from watching the news and just seeing mm-hmm. the way politics plays out and how it's all about who's got the resources and stuff. So I guess I can't really back it up with any, you know, data. Well, but. there are, there are statements though where people mention, uh, like various government officials on the left and the right, right. M- mention, uh, stuff about resources for oil. There was one, I think it was a senator, um, a senator from somewhere, and he said something I loved when he said, uh, someone asked him, like, what do you have to say, sir, that the blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah country is ultimately about oil? And he said, of course. What do you think national interest means? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, yeah, national 
And security. It, granted, as well. that's one guy. Yeah. Got to uh, secure that oil. Right. Right. Uh, so, like, what, what do you think? Do you think it would be the world would be a better place if this wasn't around, or if the petrodollar system didn't exist? Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be. I think the world would be a better place if other people didn't have things that that other people want, and everyone could just get along. You and, know? And, have and we could right just stuff. generate power from magic. Just get from out the of here, you of hippie! Our, get out. Hearts. That's what needs to happen. Or, or solar power. <laughs> oh, goodness of our hearts! Like, Heart power. Like a, like a care bear like a care powered. Bear. Exactly. A care if we bear could just power power industry. everything industry with the care bear stare, then we'd be in good shape. But we would be enslaving a. Uh, Bears. <laughs> we could have wow. care bears under the hood. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Really? Do you guys think we there will be a small number of humans at least that will someday have uh, ubiquitous energy that isn't causing emissions? Absolutely. I don't know if they'll still be humans by that point, but yeah, sure. If, oh. If everybody, if we manage to keep this crazy ride called Homo sapiens going, then eventually whether it's homo sapiens or whatever comes after us will have some sort of some some sort yeah. of technology that will be indistinguishable from magic to us neo sapiens they will look like they are care bear staring and oh, then all God. of a sudden the moon moves you know <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess the moon is always moving. I'm trying to imagine a reason that you need that. We need, you know, we need to change. Uh, I don't know uh, the way the water is currently yeah. over here. Let's change the tide. Okay, good. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the future. That's how you get all your energy. You have an oscillating moon, and then you can just capture the energy through turbines. I don't know if the science is there yet, but I like <laughs> that you're thinking big. Okay. And Noel, I'm sorry, man. I was excited about this. I was being, I was being so rude. What have, what have you been thinking about? This is the moment with you. We want to hear from you. You know, I just try to throw in my two cents, Ben. You know, I'm a, I'm a blank slate on a sunny day. Huh. An open book well, on a sunny day. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I altered it a little bit. Yeah, yeah blank I slate. I my own flair. You tweaked it. What am I thinking about? Um, well, the P key on my laptop doesn't work anymore, so I've what? got the virtual keyboard up, and every time I have to hit a P, I gotta click the mouse on the P on the virtual keyboard, so is that's this, no good. Is this episode entitled The Etro Dollar? And it went, no, I have, that's what the virtual keyboard's for. Oh, okay. Oh man, I feel bad. We should lay off things that require you to type P. Well, you know what it is, is it's the word podcast, you know? Oh, you know, yeah. so much that it's the P, it's just, they couldn't handle it anymore. Just as a reminder to everyone listening, Noel produces from where he's sitting all of the How Stuff Works podcasts. Mm-hmm. He's a one-man machine, or one-man army. Yes. You're a one-man army. That is correct. It's very kind of you guys. It's, it's true. It's not it's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, r- really quickly, before we wrap this thing up, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. There is a big life change occurring in my one of those, my life. Uh, I'm just going to go out and say it. Uh, my wife and I are having our first baby. I'm not doing anything. She's doing all the work, and I'm just kind of standing there going, hey, can I get you some water? That's pretty much what, I, what I've been doing for the past few months here. And I'm going to be away. That is happening imminently. So I will be away from the studio for a bit. I might swing in when I get a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, you will notice on our YouTube page there are going to be several classic videos. It's actually, I think, our last batch of classic episodes that we are going to 
uh, produce. And not classic as in the style, but as in videos from the original How Stuff Works channel. Mm-hmm. Which we've been slowly moving to yes. our own channel. This will be the last bit that we need to get over there. And uh, by the way, I think we hit 350,000 subscribers on YouTube, and that's huge. So, so thank you so seriously, much. Seriously, thank you. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I uh, just want to say thank you guys so much because this is your show. Uh, we've said it before. It's a free show. A lot of stuff, uh, is free on the internet. Uh, so this, this support means a hell of a lot to us. And, uh, it's also, you know, no offense, like it's cool. The show stuff is cool, but congratulations, Matt. Thank you very much. So it's if more you, important. well, thank you, man. So if you want to talk to us about uh, the petrodollar, about anything we've talked about in past episodes, or hey, if you want to give me some parenting advice, I could take it because I am lost right now. <laughs> uh, but you know, we'll make it work. The whole bottle situation, just you know, I just have to gripe really fast. Putting things together for babies, all of the all of the different. Uh, I don't even know what most of them are called, like the gliders and the other things. Everything Graco makes, no offense, Graco, just very difficult to put together. So anyway, uh, mm. I can't wait to have a kid and then really worry about him falling off of one of these Graco machines that I put together, hopefully correctly. So anyway, you can write to us about any of that stuff. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. We are Conspiracy Stuff on both of those. You can, let's see, you can go to StuffTheyDon'tWantYouToKnow.com. You can listen to all of these. Hopefully, you're listening to this on StuffTheyDon'tWantYouToKnow.com. Mm-hmm. If you are, you are awesome. <laughs> uh, you're awesome either way for having this in your ears, but thank you. Uh, and there's one last thing, Ben. Uh, yes, if you have an idea and you'd like to email us, if you have uh, a story about your time abroad or something relates to Petrodollar, we'd like to hear it. We want to hear more about this situation. We want to hear whether it's true, whether it's utter bunk, and we want to hear from you. So, And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast, searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. 
your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now.